0: So our doctor encouraged us to uh, seek out a guidance counselor, and so we did. And this counselor was extremely helpful to us, and and really encouraged us to uh, to some find something else to fulfill our lives, find something else to take the place of that void, and. Uh, Long story short, that is, that's is—that's when they, I sold the business and this person said that, uh, you know, you've been a, a practice servant leadership your whole life. That's why you're successful. Uh, and that was a part of our moving on. And you don't get over it, but you get through it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we went to this... Uh, that our counselor encouraged us to go to this group meeting where the group was made up of parents who had lost a child. And so we went to that, and there were about 25, 30 of us, and everybody told their story about the son or daughter they lost. And some of them, parents had been coming to that group five, ten years. One lady had been coming to that group for 20 years, and she she talked us over. She had just lost her daughter, even though it was 20 years ago. And so we left that gathering, that get-together, and we both said to ourselves, that's not what we wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. We wanted to hear how people got through it. Mm-hmm. What did they do to move on in their lives and to get past uh, having lost a child? And so we uh, never went back to that again, because it wasn't helpful to us. Because we decided it happened. We don't know why. Uh, we don't have any answers to why it happened to our son, but you can't go through the rest of your life wallowing in self pity. So you have to do something to get beyond that point. So that's, I, I told you the story earlier about uh, I got the inspiration uh, to write uh, a book on servant leadership, and that was because of Jason's death. Betty did something that uh, was very helpful to other people. Uh, she uh, put together a, uh, a CD on soothing, warm, comforting piano music, which to this day, the, the Gunnarsson Clinic still play, plays in several of the waiting rooms. So that was uh, helped her to uh, engage in something that was fulfilling. But, uh, so later on then, uh, I... It was very troubling for us because of what people said or didn't say about having lost a child. It was like many situations we were in, and it was like we never had a son. Nobody ever asked about Jason or what he is doing. Or, and uh, it troubled us. And we thought, well, why why aren't people talking to mm-hmm. us about it? And it, it then... I realized then, it dawned on us that they weren't talking to us about our son and our loss and our grievance, not because they didn't want to, they just didn't know what to say. And so part of writing the book, uh, the workbook of moving on was as much about helping other people to know what to say or do to a friend or family member who has lost a child or a spouse, uh, and knowing how to deal with it. So... It became very important for us for people. It took about three years before people would say his name. No one would say his name. We wanted to hear his name. We love hearing his name. We love talking about uh, memories that we have with him. And uh, finally, people started talking to us about Jason, and that was extremely helping us, helped us to get through that grieving process. Mm-hmm. So one time I, I was on the board at the, at the Children's Museum and we had a, a Christmas banquet and and one of the, the new members on the board said that uh, you don't know this but I knew your son I was his uh, R R A or whatever they call that at uh, uh, dormitory at the UWL. Yeah, that's great. yeah, there it is. And uh, he told us this really really funny story and. It was just great. It was just like, oh my gosh, you know, that's that's Jason, that's our son. Mm-hmm. And since that happened, uh, it's happened a lot where people come up to us and say, you know, uh, I knew your son. I knew, mm-hmm. him. they'll tell us about an experience that they had with him, and we love that. It helps us keep his memory alive, and um, so we enjoy talking about Jason, even mm-hmm. though he's not here with us. We had a lot of positive experiences. And that's so why I wrote the book, the workbook called Moving On. Just believing that you, you're you in that place, that ugly place that you never thought you would ever be a part of. And what do you do with that after you find yourself in that place? You have to move on. Mm-hmm. You have to move on in your life and find other things that are relevant and important to you to help fill that void of having lost a job, mm-hmm.
1: and there's so many things i'd like to touch on that but i think one thing right now i just want to get across to listeners is going through that and i honestly like coming into this interview i was didn't want to talk to you about it because my dad obviously said how painful it was would you prefer would you say pretty much everyone would like for them to share a story about the passing of whoever it was or would you like people to keep silent is that like for a majority of people is everyone different Well, I'm sure everyone is somewhat different, but
0: Mm -hmm. for Betty and myself, we love to talk about it. We love to talk about the experiences that that other people had with him. So, yeah, there's no question in my mind that uh, for us, it was not healthy to not talk about him because you don't forget about him. Mm -hmm. Uh, So why... Can't you talk about it? Absolutely. So uh, to be silent about it would be a totally negative situation because even though it'd still be in our mind, and to not share our thoughts about him uh, with other people would be uh, would be extremely negative. Wow!
1: Uh, I know you talked in another podcast about being positive and how that mindset. I mean, honestly, I would agree that mindset has gotten you to where you are now to a degree. Would I be correct on that? Yeah, absolutely. And then something else I wanted to really just touch on is. I think almost losing my dad is very similar to this because I think I see a lot of my dad in you, and if he's listening to this, and I know he will sometime, that is an insanely good comment to him because he looks up to you so much. And so I, I definitely, to me, I, I associate a lot because I see there's a flip side. I like obviously your son to you is what I am to my dad, and I'm tearing up right now, but it's true, and I think it's so impactful. Uh, Just to hear that from someone who's obviously been through it. And thankfully I haven't because of so many good people and the Lord's grace. But um, something else I'd like to touch on, uh, I read a bunch of articles out there and obviously you've done some articles and like you said, you love to share your story. And one thing I found was that 80% of marriages fail once you've lost a child. How in the world did you keep your marriage, especially 57 years? What an accomplishment.
0: Well, it wasn't easy. Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, As as you said,
0: they say that 80% of parents who have lost a child uh, end up in a divorce. Mm -hmm. And I can totally understand why. Because as we were going through that experience, um, we had a lot of arguments. We had a lot of uh, negative discussions. And they would be about really stupid things. Uh, they would be, arguments would be about things that had little of any significance in our lives and and many times uh, the, the following day we'd say why did we argue about that it had it, no significance in our life but you find yourself uh, you're very extremely emotional after something like that happens and you wear your emotions on your skin and it, it's very fragile mm-hmm. so little things that should be looked up upon as little things become big things and so we went through that and I could see why a high percentage of marriages end up in divorce because you're just you're just your emotions are just so alive and wow. and um, you don't know how to deal with it mm-hmm. because that frustration or that, Negative experience in life just wants to express itself in some way, and uh, in many occasions it expressed itself as disagreeing with what your wife said or what she did, and uh, which wouldn't have been significant or important if you hadn't lost a child, but now they all of a sudden are are issues, and uh, so yeah, we went, we definitely experienced that. And uh, But somehow we got through that. And how did you? Do you know or is it... It's it definitely very gradual. It was mm-hmm. a gradual experience. And um, a couple of things that helped me, I know, is that uh, a couple of years after he died, I volunteered in, in with the Red Cross. And I, I volunteered to go to Louisiana after Hurricane Katrina. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I went, I, I volunteered to be a counselor and uh, for the first, I was there three weeks, and for the first week, I was a counselor and I met with some people just to talk about their grief, and, and at that point, a lot of people at uh, Katrina, and I was in Arlington, Louisiana, which is about 100 miles uh, north of uh, New Orleans. Wow. And, and they were impacted? Oh, very much. Wow. In a lot of cases, they were trying to find where their mother was, or where their father oh. was, or where their child was, because they all got dispersed in different ways. So after about a week, I was actually uh, promoted to, uh, this was at a coliseum in Arlington, um, Louisiana, mm-hmm. like like our civic center here, mm-hmm. and we had a thousand uh, refugees or people that lost their homes as a result of the hurricane. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was promoted to be the the head of the the whole Coliseum. And so I was in charge of about 30 other volunteers that were at that same site. And every night I would give, I would get on the microphone and give a a message of the day's event that day and, and the next day's event that would be happening. And uh, I realized that how relevant I was to these people. I mean, and I was really out of my comfort zone because almost all of them were black Americans. Mm-hmm. And um, I just found myself, it didn't make any difference what color they were what color skin were and having all these meaningful relationships and, and realizing that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help them and I am helping them. And it just helped me to understand how important life is, and that you not just uh, go into hiding and not have relationships with people, and I, and going through that process of seeing how devastated some of these people were just made me feel how fortunate mm-hmm. I was, and how fortunate that I wasn't experiencing the same thing that they were experiencing, and and it just helped give me a new uh, purpose. purpose, purposeful. That I was purposeful to those people, and I came back from that, and I think I had kind of a whole different attitude mm-hmm. about life. But uh, that being a part of a negative experience like that was a positive experience for me.
1: Absolutely, and that, would you say that was kind of like the turning point?
0: Yeah, I think it was. And then, and then uh, writing that book mm-hmm. uh, once again, it, it was cathartic. It was uh, it was helpful to put my feelings on the paper that other people could read and uh, just writing that book was also a very positive experience for me because there it is, it's out in the open this is how I felt, this is how we dealt with it this is the, the trauma that we experienced and uh, the challenges that we were confronted with
1: 100% and I think going through so many significant things you, you really need you an outlet and I know for I, I think um, drinking an addiction I mean, I'll sell like non-alcoholic beers all the time. I think that's one thing. And um, one rapper I listened to, Lecrae, I think he's really good. But he said, I think he believed he turned to drinking water, sparkling water. I think it was sparkling water because it was different. It wasn't water what he was used to. But every time he craved something, he replaced it. And for me, when I get stressed out or mad at work, I always like two nights ago, Sunday was terrible. It sucked. I had so many rude people, probably one of the worst days of work of all time. And I was like, I just need to go work out. So I went to my gym, like in Holman, which is about 20, 25 minutes, and I just worked out. And that's kind of how I relieved my tension, and my stress. And it was finals week too, so that didn't help. But just a healthy outlet, I believe, is really what we're getting at here. Well,
0: you mentioned two things that were uh, a part of our experience, and drinking was one of them. Uh, oh, really? We, we turned to. I mean, we always had drinks prior to that, but... In uh, moderation. In moderation, but mm-hmm. uh, drinking became more important. And actually, through the process, uh, Betty became an alcoholic. Wow. And uh, so she was relying on alcohol a lot more than than I was, even though it was important to me. But uh, this... Actually, she she went through treatment just uh, a year ago. Uh-huh. This next week, she will celebrate her one year of sobriety, which... <laughs> <and, laughs> Very proud of her for doing that, but that was a number of years that it took to get her to the point that she felt she needed to, to go for treatment. And uh, see, what was the other thing you mentioned that, <laughs> that reminded me of? But uh, that that was definitely uh, a part of how we dealt with grieving in an unhelpful, in a negative way.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think kind of the last thing I want to touch on is in my generation um, I think we have this huge focus in society where you are kind of you're really offended by everything which I really don't agree with but also one real thing is depression in our generation and you know I there's some statistic out there or some quote I can't remember what it is but you know someone that has depression it's just if you know it or not and to hear that you were depressed at a very old age, I thought it was a very youthful problem. Like I thought it was something people struggle with in are like 18, 25. But in reality, it kind of struck me. I was like, people are really struggling with this at 50, 60 years old. That that kind of blew my mind. And how, how did that turn out? How did you get past that? I well, think you touched on how you got past that already. Yeah. But what's that like is... Well, I, I definitely have experience with
0: depression, and uh, I've had two bouts of depression. Wow. And the, the first one was uh, when I told you in another part of an interview that we were on the brink of losing everything uh, to keep Cabinet Factory going and where we'd taken all the money, of the money, savings we had, and uh, put me in, in the depression. Mm-hmm. And it's a scary if, don't, if someone's never been there, you can't possibly know what it feels like, where uh, not being alive someday is more important than being alive. And uh, I went through that, and uh, fortunately I had a good counselor, and uh, medication also helped me get through that. But it's a, it's a dark uh, place to be, and you believe that it's never going to end. Mm-hmm. Um, but the good story, a good thing about that is because of that happening to me, well, first of all, I wasn't able to talk about it for almost 10 years. I never I never talked about it to anybody other than my, my counselor. But the good thing that turned out to be is that in some ways I feel that God allowed me to go through that experience so that I could be helpful to other people because <clears throat> I've had the opportunity to... To share with other people my experience and help them get through their dark place that they're in, and, and um, I now see that as a blessing mm-hmm. that I have been able to be there with a number of people and to help them get through that period of time. So, because like I said earlier, if you've never been there, you don't know what's like, and to try to help somebody that's not been in that position is difficult. Mm-hmm. But to talk to somebody that has been in that position. Uh, it can be very, uh, very helpful.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think just kind of the last point to touch on, uh, just dealing with depression. Uh, I know when I moved out to Utah, I had a really good buddy of mine that would always, we'd, we'd love to keep in touch. And he'd always talk to me about his struggles with, you know, being on a sports team and his role in that or dealing with depression or dealing with an addiction and uh, schoolwork. I mean, obviously, I don't think I was the best person to talk to you about doing his schoolwork, but um I've just heard a lot of different books and magazines and things I've read that you should really talk to someone about their depression and you you kind of show signs of something you want you want to talk about. And am I correct on that? Well,
0: I'm not sure because uh, I didn't want to talk to anybody about it.
1: Really, and you like didn't show any signs like eh maybe if you do like please do. But
0: yeah, no, I did. I showed signs. In fact, uh, I had yeah. some people that were working with me at. At that point, and and I owned a number of apartments, and I had a couple people manage them. And I told them that I was going through a tough time, but I didn't really want to talk about it. So I think that's pretty typical of most people. They don't want to. Okay. Uh, they don't want to talk because c- you're embarrassed. I mean, mm-hmm. I was embarrassed. I was uh, embarrassed to admit that I can't get control of my feelings. I can't get. Over this, even I'm in, in this dark, deep hole. I can't dig myself out. So, uh, you don't want to admit to being weak, and particularly, I think it's more it happens more often with men.
1: 100.
0: They don't want to admit to being weak. You want to think, of, want people to think of you as being strong. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, no, I think it's uh, pretty typical that, uh, at least my experience is that people don't really want to talk about it unless they're talking about it. To someone who has been there.
1: Yeah, that's such good insight. And obviously, I didn't name who it was because I don't think he wants it to be known. And I've never struggled with depression. I mean, obviously, I've had some bad cases, but you know, I've always turned my focus to God. And there's a reason He's perfect. And you know, and, and on that Sunday, I was so mad, and I was like, I'll just text my mom, and she goes, I have a, she has a picture in her room, and she does massage, and she says the rain has to come before the sun shines and there's a little flower. And so that really helped me tough it out. And that was something that happened like five days ago. So I was pretty relevant to this, but are there any closing thoughts you'd like to share, Gerald? Well, uh, I would just say that and, you and know, everybody
0: could certainly appreciate this. Uh, life is a journey and uh, a journey in most cases, a lot of cases A person doesn't know where that journey is going to go, where it's going to end. And uh, you take, uh, there's a lot of crossroads in a journey, getting from one place to another. And there are negative experiences, there are positive experiences, but we just have to to try to learn from each one of those experiences and try to take something positive out of each experience that we have in life. So I guess that's about it, Jackson.
1: That's so good. Well, Gerald, thank you so much for sharing all this content. And I pick out three or four episodes off this of your amazing insight and how much you've learned over so many years, which is definitely an accomplishment. We talked about marriage in a previous episodes, starting your businesses and your life and what you've learned from all that. and We could even go further sometimes. I'm sure you have so many more stories. So many. I'm sure we've just touched the tip of the surface. But I would just, from me and all my viewers, thank you so much for just coming on the show and volunteering your time to help others such as myself.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. I hope it impacted your life just as much as mine did. Just want to let you know, we do have an Instagram called Lessons in the Trenches. Just how it said, Lessons in the Trenches on Instagram if you wanna go check that out. We got pictures of all our guests on there, some awesome photos, and we'll be doing a lot more on there soon. So please go check that out if you haven't already. And thank you so much for watching.